Wollawani, welcome. My name's Ian Campbell from Palliative Care Australia in Canberra on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri people. Welcome to Thursdays at Three, our regular series of conversations with people living and working at the end of life. Spiritual care is such an integral component of palliative care, which is perhaps unique in the field of medicine and healthcare. Today, ahead of her workshop this September at the Oceanic Palliative Care Conference in Sydney, we chat to the CEO of the Spiritual Health Association, Cheryl Holmes. G'day, Cheryl. How are you going? Hi, Ian. Going very well, thank you. On the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations down here in Melbourne. Melbourne. We're getting to know all the different nations uh, uh, around Australia, which is which is so good. Mm. Cheryl, there are perhaps some misconceptions and, and myths about spiritual care, and your workshop at OPCC is going to unpack a, a lot of that and look at the future of, of spiritual care. But let's get a head start on all that right now. And let's start at the start. What is spiritual care? What are we talking about, Cheryl? Yeah, so um, I guess we have this, you know, this understanding around people as spiritual beings and the concept of we're, we're familiar, especially in palliative care, with the concept of holistic care. And so we think about, you know, we we know about a person's physical well-being and um, and their mental well-being, um, their social well-being. But we're not so clear often around spiritual well-being and spiritual health and those aspects of a person, especially if it's not necessarily to do with somebody having a particular religious or faith-based affiliation. Um, so it's so so spiritual care is actually attending to that spiritual side of people, the ways in which we we think about. Um, what gives our lives meaning? Where do we find a sense of purpose? Mm -hmm. Where do we experience that sense of transcendence? Or um, we might think about that as uh, how, where do I feel a sense of being a part of something bigger than just myself? Um, that sense of, you know, also being more than just, I know I'm more than just my physical self. So spiritual care is all about the ways in which we attend to that inner life and that mm -hmm. aspect of a person's being. So clearly religion would, would be a part of that for, for some people, but listening to your explanation there, spiritual care is is, is much more than, than religion. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, we know, I mean, we know from the latest census data that there are still... Um, a significant proportion of the Australian population who do affiliate with uh, a religious tradition and um, and it's really important that our, our spiritual care practitioners are able to be attentive and and aware of um, those worldviews and able to respond and be responsive to those worldviews bring in the people who are needed at those times if someone wants to see their imam or mm -hmm. the Catholic priest, um, we need to make sure that those that aspect of care is available to people as part of meeting their spiritual needs. But we also know um, that there's lots of people and a growing number of people who are not, um, who wouldn't describe themselves as religious, but also lots of people who would describe themselves as spiritual but not religious. Yeah, yeah. 
And so people are finding all sorts of ways in which to explore that. Um, I remember doing a, a, an education session for a group of training psychologists and counsellors. And um, we often think like one of the myths is that we think that Australians don't understand spirituality or are not interested. Mm -hmm. um, but in this class, I began by saying, when I say the word spirituality, what do you think of? Like, where does that take you? And um, and one of the young guys said, I immediately think of when I'm out on my surfboard catching that amazing wave. Yeah. So, so that's a sense of awe, you know, and the sense of oneness with with things beyond you. Like it takes you out of yourself, um, mm -hmm. that sense of oneness with things. So, yeah, I think we can think about spirituality in all sorts of ways. What does spiritual health or spiritual care look like in the context of someone's palliative care journey? It, it, it sounds like lots of cups of coffee, lots of cups of tea in, in many respects and some, some big conversations, but what does it look like in the context of someone's palliative care experience? Yeah, um, I think the lots of cups of teas and lots of cups of coffees um, are often what happens. Um, I think that's why we train volunteers a lot in, um, in the palliative care sector because there is that need for space and the, the normal ordinariness yeah. <laughs> um, of, of life and conversation. I guess one of the, one of the challenges for us has been um, thinking about spiritual care professionally. So yes. uh, what's the profession of spiritual care? And what are the skills and, and capabilities that someone who, who actually is trained and qualified as a spiritual care practitioner, what do they bring to the team? And I think, you know, I was thinking a lot about this, just thinking about this conversation. And has um, somebody recently, um, uh, a, a health minister said to me, I'm not quite sure why, mental health practitioners can't just do this work and I think one of the one of the reasons why we actually really advocate for a qualified and credentialed spiritual care workforce is because when you go in and say to someone I'm here as a spiritual care worker or spiritual care practitioner mm -hmm. it opens up the possibility of conversations and opportunities of for conversations, it immediately takes people to a, a different level of conversation. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, you know, I, I think it also, it, it takes you into that space that's not necessarily about my, it's not just about my physical symptoms mm -hmm. and, um, and my psychological symptoms there is something around being able to be invited into those conversations around I'm not quite sure what my life's meant. Um, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen when I die. Um, I'm not quite sure how to make amends for some of the stuff that I've done in life and how yeah, to reconcile yeah. myself with some of the things I'm not sure how to repair the relationships that have been damaged along the way. It's those sorts of conversations that I think spiritual care creates the safe space for.
they are some big conversations and that is important work and I can really appreciate the the skill and the profession at play there is that is that what the future is about uh, valuing spiritual health spiritual care more and investing in it when we talk about exploring the future of, of spiritual care is is that the future better investment better appreciation for it oh yes please <laughs> 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 really want to see that. Um, <laughs> you know, I think one of the really interesting things, like I've been, I've been the CEO of this organisation for um, just over twenty years now. Um, so I've worked in the field for a long time, and we, what we, what we see in in the health sector, and we work across the health sector, so not just in palliative care, but mental health. Um, do a lot of work in public hospitals and what we see is um, the inconsistency in the way spiritual care is provided across the sectors mm -hmm. um, and palliative care is an area because spiritual care as you said at the beginning Ian like palliative um, spiritual care is is integral to good palliative care and it's and it's and it's been there in the foundations of palliative care and the hospice movement, that understanding of um, needing to in, in integrate spiritual care and people's take take people's spirituality seriously. Mm -hmm. um, but the conversation I had with um, the previous CEO of Palliative Care Australia was around. Do you know how spiritual care is being provided across the palliative care sector? And how do we know what, how do you know what best practice is? Like that's a lot of the work we do. Um, and there's so much research around what good quality spiritual care looks like. Um, and how are we measuring that? So I think what really disturbs me and has been um, the real driver for our organisation for a long time has been how do we actually get that consistency in the way in which spiritual mm -hmm. care is delivered across our health sector, including in palliative care. I think one of the things too in palliative care is that one of the measures um, is often, it, it often conflates psychological and spiritual so so when when you're seeing you know looking at whether pe people's um, needs have been met it'll be psychological slash spiritual right and I think that conflation doesn't help us get really clear about what's what's psychological what's spiritual and of course there's overlaps um but it, it just, yeah, that conflation doesn't help us, I don't think. What's the what's the difference between the two in your mind? Is is one more about the heart, one more about the, the head? How do you explain that divide between psychological and spiritual? Yeah, look, I think um, like often when you think about what's going on psychologically for someone, it is around um, patterns of behaviour that have built up over time, um, misunderstandings about um uh, yeah so those patterns uh experiences in life that have really impacted somebody and and create created certain messages about the way people think about themselves i think that's where there's some overlap but again i think when we go to the spiritual elements 
there really is that sense of um, meaning and and purpose, but also the what are the beliefs that I carry and and how have I formed my values? Can I actually articulate my values and how do they inform the choices that I make in life? Um, so yeah, that that and and look, I think it's really hard to to tease those out at yep. times. Yeah. Um, but I think that that sense of people's beliefs and values, traditions, um, and and that inner life around meaning and purpose and hope mm -hmm. is very much about spiritual, the spiritual yeah, side of things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheryl, as I say, some some big conversations that that spiritual health practitioners uh, prompt with with the people they they work with. What sort of impact have you seen those conversations and that work have on people um, during your career? What sort of impact have you seen have on, on people as they face the end of their lives and also perhaps their loved ones as, as well? I think it's the permission giving that, um, as I said, that it, that it gives to people. Um, I, and, and, and also that sense of, you know, I said about uh, uh, another realm, um, you know, it, it's sort of like the spiritual care practitioner invites a different way of thinking into the room or a, or a um, permission to bring the spiritual side of ourselves or to think outside of the physical world. Um, there's a representativeness of the spiritual yep. care person Um I know, you know, um, I began in my in my uh, profession as a as a hospital chaplain, um, working as part of the palliative care team down at Frankston Hospital. With Molly Carlisle was the nurse unit manager at that time, who um, published a book called The Death Talker. So she's yes, done a yes. lot of work around um, in the area. And I just, you know, there are so many conversations that stay with me and so many experiences, um, but it is that breaking open, like it's the, it's the breaking open of conversations that can be difficult, one, for the person to have with family. Um, so, uh, yeah, bit, providing that sort of space for people to have the conversations. Yeah. Often... Um, there can be that I've noticed for people who do have a religious background that when there are it's a time when questions and doubts can arise and a sense of guilt about having doubts and questions arise yeah, yeah. Um, so having safe spaces to have those conversations um, is really important for people um, and and the 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 repairing of relationships. So yes, yeah. giving family permission to have those conversations with their significant other. What a gift to be able to repair relationships at, at that at that final point. Such a gift to families and 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 people who are dying to be able to repair relationships. 
Well, and and what a pity that we leave it till that moment <laughs> to have those conversations. And I guess that's the you know that is also the work of spiritual care is to go is to is to be opening that up for people all the time, no matter where they yeah. are on their health journey. But the, are there some things that you you would regret if if it came to this time? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Let, let's um, zero in on that point a bit more, Cheryl, about, yeah, let's not wait until we're dying to, to tackle this, this big stuff, that, that spiritual care, spiritual health should be part of our everyday when, when we're healthy as well as when we're, we're sick. How do we go about doing that? <laughs> um, I think because I think one of the things about end of life is that um, it's a time when you become really real, like it strips yeah. down the, the walls and the barriers that we that we that we're building up all the time. Um, we protect ourselves all the time, mm -hmm. and we need to at at certain times. Um, and being vulnerable uh, is not something that comes easily. Like talking about real stuff doesn't come too easily um we're we're used to the conversations that stay on a certain um a certain level uh, in a safe space in a safe space around you know the weather and um football and um if you're down in melbourne that is um, <laughs> um you know it, it's a we stay with the safe conversations and sometimes i think it's 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 because we don't trust that other people maybe have the same sorts of questions, mm -hmm. the same sorts of um, wonders about life and relationships, the same struggles. And so um, I think it is about taking risks with each other. Um, it's the taking risks to if maybe if I can be just that little bit more vulnerable with you yeah. about what's really going on in my life, um, then maybe you might risk being a little bit more vulnerable with me yeah. um, and having some of those hard conversations. And that's not easy. Um, I think when, when there have been damaged relationships, actually fronting up to somebody to say, this happened between us. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, can we talk about it? Um, yeah. I really don't want to carry this forward. I hope you don't mind me asking, Cheryl, but how how good are you at that? Or are you a bit like a carpenter with the house extension that's never finished? <laughs> that's a great analogy. <laughs> um Look, as I said, um, I think we're all works in progress as yeah. far as that goes, yeah. and and I like to think that um, that with that I have a group of people with whom I do have those conversations. Um, again, it is about the safe spaces because some mm -hmm. stuff we all carry stuff that's pretty raw. Um, I think it's one of the lovely things about. Um, about the work in spiritual care is that it does challenge challenge you consistently to ask the question of yourself around 
yeah. how how authentic am I being? Um, mm. Am I standing in a place of integrity? And um, and sometimes that's easier than other times. Mm. Um, Where does your passion for this work come from, Cheryl? As you say, you've been CEO of Spiritual Health Association since two thousand and two. What gets you out of bed? Where does your passion come from for this? When I when I first began um, working, it was as a as a speech pathologist, and um, so I've always worked in healthcare. Um, and I worked in a large aged care facility. Um, I found, you know, as a speech pathologist that. There were people I was working with who were long-term rehab patients um, who, once they'd got to the end of their, their speech journey, um, needed to be crossed off my list because there were other people needing to come on. And, and it was the recognition that there was a real lack of holistic care. Um, mm -hmm. So often I would be the only one who would be having extended conversations with people about where what was going on for them um and once I stopped doing that that ended um yeah. and I it became really important to me to see that holistic care um I guess you know I grew up in a church base so um and, and at one stage was ordained as an Anglican. Um, so the spiritual side of things had been a part of my life as a, uh, in that faith context. Yeah. Um, left that um, through the spiritual care journey because I think when you get opened to the ways, the, 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 the multitude of ways that people do find meaning um, and the multitude of ways that people make sense of life and, and connect, um, for me, that just, that just made, created a whole range of pathways and just expanded my worldview um, and I, you know, you'd never forget some of the stories of, you never forget the experience of working with some of the people as a spiritual care practitioner um, and seeing the difference that it can make for people to have a spiritual care practitioner there at some of those most vulnerable, mm -hmm. raw yeah. traumatic times um in someone's life and so um and um just to I I worked for five years and I was a young mother at the time so I was in my early 30s at the time and accompanied a number of women a similar age to myself um at the end of life um and also a number of children similar to my children's age, um, that became not sustainable for me. And then I became passionate about, about how do we create a sustainable workforce. Um, and that's, just, that's not just spiritual care practitioners. That's the whole workforce um, because 
we need those those ways of um, knowing what it is that supports and sustains and resources us mm -hmm. in order to keep turning up. So that that's part of what drives me all the time. That's where my passion comes. Um, it's the it makes a difference for people. I've seen that, and I and I think everyone has the right to have access to really good spiritual care um, and it need and the workforce needs to be sustained and we can't ignore the spiritual spirituality side of that. Cheryl, such a great taster for the conversation you'll be leading this September in Sydney at the Oceanic Palliative Care Conference. Who should come to your workshop? Who do you want to see there? Oh, everyone. Um, and I recognise there's going to be a lot of people. Um, look, I think I think people who truly want to see models of palliative care that care holistically for people who are interested in that. Um, we've just co-designed a national model for spiritual care for the health sector, and we're about to trial that in eleven sites. Um, both here in Victoria, but um, more broadly. And so I think people who want to, who are really keen to see models of care, yeah. who are really passionate about quality and safety of spiritual care. Um, so health professionals, um, and and it would be great. I don't know, are there any politicians coming who, you know, like where are the investors? <laughs> We're trying to get some money in the room. Absolutely, Cheryl. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like a really ideal time to connect with, with you and the Spiritual Health Association, given the trials that you point to, given the, the work that, you, that you're putting into, into those models of care. It sounds like the perfect time to connect with you at OPCC. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your work with us today, Cheryl. And we'll see you at OPCC in September. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Ian. Cheryl Holmes, the CEO of the Spiritual Health Association, and you'll see more, learn more from Cheryl this September at the Oceanic Palliative Care Conference in Sydney. Registrations are now open and you'll find a link in the show notes. Palliative Care Australia and the Spiritual Health Association have also collaborated on some great online training in spiritual care. It's free and it's available now, and I'll include a link in the show notes so you can explore that further as well. Thanks so much for tuning in to Thursdays at 3, whether that's via PCA socials or Spotify and engaging in matters of life and death. You'll find advice, tools and support at the Palliative Care Australia website, where you can also make a donation to support our work. See you next Thursday.